You are listening to the Cattle Call Podcast. This is the place where computer-aided design and drafting meets humor and practicality, with a touch of business acumen thrown in for fun. Jim and Rocco, the owners of Zentech Consultants, the premier U.S. technology consulting firm for architecture, engineering, construction, and manufacturing, discuss the fascinating world of CAD with some humor and some honesty. The Cattle Call Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Cattle Call Podcast with Jim and Rocco from Zentech Consultants. I am Jim, your always happy and entertaining and pleasant to listen to host. And with me, as always, is my partner, the tall, dark, and handsome one, Rocco. You're neither tall, dark, or handsome. You are none of these things. What are you? You're delusional. You're short, I, pale, I, and... I, eh. <laughs> ask my wife. She'll agree with me. I've asked your wife, and she does not agree with you. <laughs> Listen, I ain't one to talk. I'm short, pudgy, and meh as well. So what are you going to do? Uh, so, all right. But you know what that means, though, Rocco? Since you didn't give me anything, well, you did give me something to laugh at today. I don't think you meant to, but I laughed at you anyway. But it doesn't save you. You're still going to have to listen to the engineering joke of the week. Okay, so you ready for this one? We're ready. We're ready. So what do nuclear engineers like to eat for dinner? I don't know. What do they like to eat? Fission chips. Huh? Oh, my God. Uh, come on. That's a good joke. <laughs> I like that one. That one made me chuckle. Yeah, there you try not to laugh, but you're laughing. <laughs> uh, you got to love those terrible dad jokes. They're the best. All right, folks. So it is time for another episode of a recurring topic here on the Cattle Call, and we call it This Month in Design Bill, right, where we take a look at what new and exciting things have happened recently in our industry that are out there in the news. Um, you know, it kind of gives us a chance to talk about news stories that caught our eye and that we think may have a big impact on our listeners you know, kind of moving forward. Um, so, you know, the, the first article that I want to hit on today was actually from uh, CNN. It was titled, Arizona announces limits on construction in Phoenix area as groundwater disappears. There, there's a frightening statement, huh? Uh, now, look, as you guys likely know, uh, this is really becoming a major issue throughout a large swath of the Southwest of the U.S. and around a lot of areas uh, in the world, right? Extreme heat and shifting weather patterns. And, you know, it doesn't matter, right? Whether you believe in climate change or not, uh, those things are here. They're happening. I mean, you, you can't deny what's actually happening, uh, even though you might want to argue about the why. And I'm not going to talk about the why of any of this, right? That's for people with bigger brains than mine to figure out. Um, but I do want to talk about how this is going to impact the construction world. Uh, you know, because Phoenix is the first major city to impose a moratorium on construction due to lack of water. Uh, but I'm thinking it's probably not going to be the last if things keep going the way they have been over the last few years. Um, you know, the, the article on CNN points out that this restriction, it's, it's only for new single family home developments within the city limits uh, because, you know, the builders, they can't ac account for, you know, the increased water usage, right, uh, that they're going to need to provide for those homes based on their current groundwater tables. Um, so, you know, and I think, you know, re restricting new home development, it's going to have a major impact on the entire state and, and beyond. 
Um, you know, and I think there are two ways that I see this going. Um, you're either going to see a mass exodus of, of would-be homeowners moving to you know, other towns or even abandoning the, the state or the whole Southwest region entirely, right? Either that or this is going to be a, a key factor, I think, driving you know, pretty radical changes in, in how we build and live within, you know, we'll call them extreme environments, you know, like, like the desert. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and I think we'll see the design build process in these communities shifting toward, you know, multi-tenant structures with, with a lot more focus on environmental impact and water and carbon and energy usage as part of that process. Um, you know, and I think you know, even basic things like, you know, water heavy items like, you know, uh, concrete, all right, are going to see a lot of reduced usage, uh, you know, in order to, to, to kind of eliminate consumption, you know, and things like, you know, lawns and pools and, and even, you know, the type of water heating units that we are going to have to use. It's all going to shift pretty dramatically, I think, with, with this kind of ongoing weather impact that we're seeing. So, so Rocco, we, you know, we work with designers and contractors throughout all of North America, right, from Canada all the way down to the southern borders. Uh, do you see our clients in these extreme environmental areas looking to make serious changes in the way they design or, or build to address problems like this? It's not a an everyday point of discussion, right? But I mean, it's if, if you look around, like you and I both live in, in Jersey, right? I mean, you've got you've got these multi multi dwelling um, you know units popping up all over the place, and and you ask yourself, what is going on? You know. It's like, <laughs> Why are there so many? And I, you know, it 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 does logically make sense. Um, you know, I, it's funny because it, it's like contrary to what you're saying. A couple of weeks ago, I, I heard that you know, there's because it's so difficult. The real estate market is is booming. Folks are looking to actually put new construction up. Um, so it's you know, I think in the short term, that's that's contrary to what what was stated in this article but I, I i think long term it's 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 going to be something that's definitely going to be uh needed to be paid attention to because it's it's becoming a very very big problem yeah um, I, I think so, it definitely is and i think i think the difference that you see there is that in you know areas like here in the northeast you know where we don't face those extremes of of weather and drought and fire you know knock wood right hopefully it stays that way that other places are seeing i think i think we're seeing is a lot of that building going on in our regions because I think there are a lot of people who are just like, okay, I don't need to be here where everything is so expensive and everything's so hard to build. So and we'll, we'll see though. I mean, it's, it's got a lot of, of, of teeth to this whole conversation and where this is going to go. So Yeah, that's uh, for sure. I mean, and, you know, and along those lines, right, you know, another weather-related story that I saw uh, was in the, uh, the commercial observer. And it was called, you know, hurricane risk up 10 to 15% due to higher construction costs. Um, and that is a really bad and misleading title. I don't know who wrote it, but it was terrible. Uh, and because it makes no sense, right? You know, construction costs are not increasing the rate of hurricanes. This is not the way it works. It was mislabeled. It should have been the other way around. Uh, so, you know, what they're really talking about in the article is that construction costs for the next year are projected to rise up to 15% overall uh, due to the number and severity of, of hurricanes expected, particularly in southern and Gulf Coast cities in the U.S. Um, 
and, and you know, you, logically, right, you might look at that and say, well, you know, that's only going to affect costs, you know, in those regions. Uh, but the truth is that these costs are going to be passed along to everyone. You know, thanks, you know, primarily thank you to our, our, our friendly neighborhood insurance underwriters who we all love. Uh, you know, look, you know, the increased costs of rebuilding homes and businesses in ever larger areas of the country as storms and floods and tornadoes and fires and all of these different, you know, incidents are, 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 are hitting with, you know, more and, and larger intensity. Um, they're expanding and, and they're cutting heavily into the insurance company's profits. So, of course, that means they're going to raise rates and everybody's seeing this, right? Because, you know, the, the increased risk of any type of construction being wiped out every few years because of extreme weather, um, it's doing a number of things. Number one, it's, it's changing dramatically building codes throughout the country, right? You have to, to start to, to change the codes for the safety of the people in these areas, um, which is leading to higher costs to build. And, you know, all of these, these constant disasters are also making materials a lot harder and a lot more expensive to acquire in those storm-heavy areas, right? And, and, and I think we're going to see, and this is my opinion, um, I think we're going to see a big shift towards modular building in the next few years to kind of help counter this. Um, you know, modular construction really lets you build more consistently to code, to code, excuse me, you know, more exactly. Uh, it, it gives you a more efficient environment and, you know, it gives you good inventory control that can counteract shipping costs and material shortages. I mean, there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, and, and I even think there's likely to be a big growth in modular warehouses, right? meaning the places where they actually build the, the modular homes that are going to be in these non-storm areas like, you know, the Northeast and, and so on where, um, you know, they're not in danger, but they can go in and they can, you know, build and finish and organize and structure those models that can easily then just be thrown onto a truck and, and shipped out to those storm heavy and storm impacted areas. Um, so, so, you know, Rocco, we went through a few major storms here uh, in Jersey over the last two decades, namely, you know, Sandy and Irene, uh, you know, which caused just a, a ton of floods and property damage. Um, did, did you see a big change in, in the design and build process after those events to kind of prevent that level of damage from happening again? Oh, yeah, there were, I mean, particularly along the, the Jersey Shore and along the, the the Hudson River, right, in, in, in New York. So there are definitely um, changes in, in, in codes and so on. And, and I, don't, I don't think that it's enough. I mean, I, I think as, as these situations keep happening, it, it, like you said, the costs are going to keep going up and, and insurance companies are going to require deeper and deeper changes. They're not going broke. Don't yeah. let us go broke. Bro. Absolutely. Not going broke. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the house never loses, folks. The insurance people are always going to get their money one way or another. All right. So I tell you what, let's, uh, let's let our sponsor for today get a word in here. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we'll continue with some more stories that kind of caught our attention this month. Okay. So stand by, folks. We'll be back in just a minute with more of the Cattle Call Podcast. All right, everybody. Today, we are our own sponsor. This is Jim and Rocco with Zen Tech Consultants. And what do we want to talk to the folks about today, Rocco? Uh, we're going to talk about how to make barbecue meatballs. How does that sound, Jim? Sounds good to me. All right, all right. Now, all right. So we're here to talk about our Procore services. We are a Procore 
certified consultants here. So, Jim, what kind of services do we offer? So when it comes to your Procore software, we're here to help you guys with just about everything you need from getting it set up, configuring it to your needs, importing your client database and your previous contracts, structuring reports, or even just helping you guys on the daily with, with the, you know, the workflow and, and the things that you have to do on a regular basis in terms of timesheets and really just about anything from, like we said, setup and configuration all the way through advanced training for all of your staff on how to use Procore in the, the method and the you know, way that works best for your firm. So, Rocco, if folks need a little bit of help with Procore, how do they reach us? Yeah, you can reach us, hit up our website. We have a new website. It's zentechconsultants.net. That's Z-E-N-T-E-K, consultants.net. Or give us a call, 866-824-4459. Or drop us an email, sales at zentechconsultants.net. All right, and if you call now, Rock will tell you how to make meatballs. All right, folks, <laughs> we'll talk to you later. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Cattle Call Podcast. We're doing our... Semi-monthly, I guess we'll call it, industry news recap today uh, to kind of keep you guys thinking and conversing about what's going on in the design and build world. Uh, and the next article that I wanted to, to talk about here is, is actually from the Helsinki Times entitled Significant Shifts in Job Opportunities in the Construction Industry. Yep, see that, folks? We're, we're even getting international on the cattle call today. Um, yeah, th this article actually talks about a big shift in Finland and the EU uh, on, on the types of positions that are hiring and not hiring. Um, and I wanted to bring it up because it, I think it kind of echoes what I've, what I've kind of been personally seeing here in the States. Um, you know, in this article, they show that the biggest decreases in posted jobs are, are among, you know, uh, architects, steel workers, and concrete workers, right? Uh, in, in other words, the folks who are doing a lot of new construction work and design are taking the biggest hit right now. Um, and on the other side of that, the biggest increase in job offerings has been for uh, electrical designers, HVAC techs, carpenters, and construction supervisors. All right. And, and why the increase here? Well, from what I can see and, and kind of what the article touches a little bit on, it's because these are the folks who are most needed in retrofit and renovation work. Uh, there is a huge push in Europe to revitalize existing spaces instead of building new ones. Um, you know, look, and that, in, in part, that is due to space restrictions um, and, and in part to, you know, very heavy environmental laws and, and concerns about overuse of what little remaining open land they actually still have there. Um, and, you know, none of these are, it's not as big a movement or as big a concern right now here in the U.S., right? We, we're just a lot bigger um, and we have a whole lot more developable, developable, I guess, if that's a word, uh, land that's available. Um, and, and, and we have fewer environmental restrictions, but it is still, it, it's a shift. And I think Rocco mentioned it at the top half of the show. It's a, it's a shift that we've noted, particularly up here in, in the Northeast, right? Um, you know, renovation and rework and reuse and repurpose of existing buildings are becoming far more common and cost efficient than, you know, what, what has kind of been the traditional American, you know, tear it down and build a new one. Uh, you know, that, that model that we've kind of worked in for a lot of decades now. Uh, so, so Rocco, what about on your end? You know, have you noted our clients doing more renovation work and what types of tech are we helping them to kind of configure and optimize and train on to, to make that happen? 
Yeah, I, you know, we work with a ton of, you know, small and, and, and medium size, um, you know, contractors and, and so on. And so there's, they're, they're, they're heavily involved with renovation work. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's less to, less costly to renovate than it is to build from scratch too, right? I mean, the cost of materials has been going through the roof. Um, so <laughs> you'd, you'd rather save where you can and, and, and it just logically makes sense. Um, you know, and from the, from the tech end, yeah, we, we do, you know, a lot, like you guys know, from, from Bluebeam to Procore to, to, to Microsoft, to CAD, you know, what, whatever you need from training to consulting, to implementation services, um, we're, we're here to help with all that. So, um, it's part of, part of the everyday, that's for sure. Yeah. And just to, you know, to kind of put that in perspective, my uh, my older brother is a, a custom home builder at this point. Um, and, and he actually just did a beautiful house down on the beachfront here at the Jersey Shore. But what they did is they bought an existing home. It was nice. But they said, ah, you know what? They bought it like two, three years ago. Uh, and they knocked it down and they rebuilt a, a brand new home. But the thing is, they had, they had slated like, you know, $1.8 million to, to, to do the whole house. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice house. Uh, and I was just talking to him the other day and he's like, yeah, you know what? Wind up costing me $3 million just to put this thing up. He says the, the cost of materials and, and everything went so crazy through the roof. He says, I, I'll never do it again. He says, I'm just going to renovate. He says, because if I had just kept the house that I had and renovated it and put in all the work that, that needed to be done, probably would have cost me about a little over $2 million to do it. He says, and I'd have had the house done in half the time. So uh -huh. yeah, it, it's, it's happening everywhere. Um, all right, so you know my 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 last story for today, uh, it's from the E Architect website, and it's called the 2023 Architectural Trends, um, and it's a good article despite despite the fact that architects have got to be the worst people in the world for naming their design ideas. Uh, look, if you can get into this article and you can work past terms like biophilic urbanism and double aging vertical design, uh, which is ridiculous. Uh, but the, but there's some good info here. Um, and, and look, you know, what, what double aging really means is, is that in a lot of densely populated areas around the world, both the people and the buildings and infrastructure are actually, they're, they're getting far older than anyone ever expected them to get. Uh, you know, the, the idea of adapting designs for both materials longevity and to incorporate the needs and lifestyles of an elderly and aging population is becoming a real major design concern. Um, you know, handicapped accessibility, walkability, uh, spaces that, that, you know, have integrated health systems and local food stores, et cetera, that don't require driving or extensive travel are seeing a major boom in the design world. That, that's what they mean by that double aging concept. And the other item that caught, caught my attention really um, is this concept of what they are calling biophilic urbanism, which which it hurts me just to say out loud. It's such Can a stupid Can you spell term. that? Yeah, I, it's bio, B-I-O, <laughs> philic, P-H-I-L-I-C, urbanism. It's just, what a stupid name. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, look, in, in real English, it means adding a lot of green and growing things into cities. Uh, why they couldn't say that, I don't know. Uh, but that look, should be like a word on the spelling. The, the, I'm telling the you, biophilic. It's I love it. <laughs> uh, you know, tr traditional cities, 
uh, especially the ones here in the U.S., have been the proverbial concrete jungle, uh, you know, with a few limited parks shoved in here and there for the kids to play in. Um, you know, th there have been a lot of studies done showing that when you incorporate large amounts of green area into building designs in, in the form of external planters in gardens, even on every single level of high-rise buildings, right? We're not just talking about in the streets and in parks, but literally on the buildings themselves, that they can have a massive, massive improvement on the life and the health of the city's inhabitants. Um, you know, plants can reduce pollution, right? They, they, you know, pull CO2 out of the air. They increase oxygen levels, which improves mental function, and it increases work performance in the people living there. Um, you know, trees and shrubbery, they, they, they can do, we, they, Monty Python, we say, I want a shrubbery. Sorry, I had to do it. It's a Monty Python reference, had to be done. Um, I can't say the word shrubbery without throwing out Monty Python. Uh, but, but, you know, that, that type of planting, it, it counteracts the heat sink effect, right? And, and providing shade and, and generally enhancing people's mood and feelings of well-being within a cityscape. It's a huge, huge thing. Um, and, and, and I really see big changes, um, you know, pr particularly with the, the mobility that remote work and everything offers. I see big changes in how people are willing to live, right? Where they are willing to live and how they're willing to live in the future. Um, and, and I think, you know, th this type of change in, into a cityscape is, is really going to have a big impact because I think design firms that don't adapt to, to, the, to these changing end user needs, all right, and, and, and or, or, you know, they want to try and force that traditional living and working arrangement onto an unwilling populace, particularly the younger generations, they are going to take major, high, uh, major financial hits for that. Um, I, I even see a lot of them going out of business if they're not willing to flex and change the way they think in their designs. Um, so, so Rocco, what are your thoughts on these you know, accessibility and green initiatives in our, our world? Are they, are they good things? And, and do you find that our clients are actively embracing them or do you see some resistance there? Well, I mean, the, the, the clients are going to go where, um, you know, cu customers are going to go where, where client demands go and, and, so it, it's going to be a, a natural shift, um, I think. And of course, it's it's a good thing, right? I mean, uh, hey, I I'm not a city person. Neither one of us are city people, no. right? So give me give me a little bit of city. I mean, when I go to New York City and I and I go to Central Park, I'm like, oh, I'm out of the I'm out of the <laughs> middle of chaos. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of peace <laughs> in in an island of insanity. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that alone is you know is is a, is a big um, is is a huge important factor. I mean, it's just you know it it it, it has multiple benefits. Um, you know, socioeconomic benefits of of just having all that you know more greenery around. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think people are going to demand it more. And, and so, you know, folks within construction are going to need to, to shift and, and adapt to what, um, to what clients want. Yep. It's a natural thing. Yeah. Though, though I do want to point out something that always makes me laugh and it tells you just something about where we live and the way we live and, 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 and how American culture works. Do you know where you said you, you, you go to go into the park, you, you go to the city. You didn't identify which one. And the funny thing is you didn't need to. There's only one the city in the United States, probably in the world. You say, I'm going to the city. Everybody knows you don't mean Chicago or Philly. <laughs> you mean New York. You're going to Manhattan. There's no other place. 
It's yeah. a localized thing. And no one here, I, in my whole life, I have never once heard anybody say I'm going to Manhattan. <laughs> it, do, it doesn't happen here. I'm going to the city. <laughs> yeah. I, I live, live closer to Philly than I do to, to, to Manhattan. And you know what? Anybody who says I'm going to the city, they mean Manhattan. <laughs> uh, the it's funny true. things we deal with. It's absolutely true. All right. So I think that uh, that gives you guys enough to think about in terms of the news here for one day. So, you know, feel free to, you know, reach out to Rocco and I to either complain or offer different perspectives on these topics, particularly complaints. They go to Rocco. So, so Rocco, how do people contact you if they want to tell us that we're full of crap on these stories and they don't agree? I'll tell you what, folks, I'll give you Jim's cell phone No, number. you won't. <laughs> Jim's cell number, my cell number is five. I'm that old. It's a single digit. Just hit five. It'll go right to me. All right. We'll get out of here, folks, and let you get back to your day. And we'll catch you next time on the Cattle Call Podcast. All right, everybody. Today's Cattle Call was brought to you courtesy of Zentech Consultants. That's Rocco and I. Uh, Zentech Consultants works with design and manufacturing firms to help our clients purchase and implement the software that they need in these complex industries. Uh, we provide a single point of contact for clients to buy, develop, and learn the most vital software systems for your specific needs. Uh, Zentech strives to be your trusted technology partner from your initial needs all the way through long-term support and training for your entire staff. So Rocco, why don't you tell them how to reach out to Zentech? All right, yeah, you can reach out to us through zentechconsultants.net. You can email us at sales at zentechconsultants.net. Or you can even call us, 866-824-4459. Excellent. We look forward to hearing from you all.